Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Hello, everybody. Hopefully everybody's doing well. Uh, we're getting down to it. 39 days, Rob. We are under 40 days till football season. It's pretty, pretty good time. Here. Light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. And uh, I believe this is your last uh, sort of free time for the summer coming this week, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My wife and kids have been gone all July. And oh. I don't know. It's actually, know. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of pressure. I feel like I need to be taking advantage of it and doing right. all things I normally can't do. Right. And so here we are. And yes. here we are doing this and it's 110 degrees and I couldn't leave the house all weekend. It's right. cold, so. Oh, well, it looks yeah. like this might be the last day of the awful weather for a while. So hopefully by the time people hear this tomorrow, it'll be starting to break if uh, everybody hasn't flooded away yet. Oh. So in any case, um, we are here to talk football tonight. We don't have anything really non-football related. We are gonna, um, we are getting locked in for the season, getting excited. Tomorrow, big news. Obviously, tomorrow is CAA Media Day. Rob, I did think about that today, prepping for this. I was thinking, like, wow, we really don't have anything to say. <laughs> and I was looking up stuff for my preview tonight and thinking, I'd have a lot more to say if I waited until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that, too. I was like, but, yeah, we, we kind of gone for it. Because it's – I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that JMU is going to be – preseason number one uh, I, I would think they should be right but i would not be surprised if Calvin gets gets some love just with what they've got returning that offense yeah i thought it was funny i, I looked at medea's uh preview pieces today and kind of getting ready for caa media day tomorrow and i did think it was funny that like in the caa i think Towson is the clear you know I, I, you could call them 1b or number two whatever i mean jmu's up there for everybody Towson's right there but nationally i mean the guys over here of sports are still really high on Maine, who is number three here. Yeah, um, I, you know. I don't know if I get that. I, I, I mean, yeah. I, ho- I hope they're good. I think yeah, it's better I for the too. CAA when it's deep. And, yeah. you know, it's, I think the more teams, the better. With the exception of Delaware, and everybody says Delaware's better. You know, when the CAA's better when Delaware's good. Yep. As long as they got Rocco, for me, is better when Rocco's struggling. <laughs> Everybody, so, no, everybody's better when Rocco's struggling. Yeah. Rocco and Keeler both. Yeah, you know, so um, we'll have some. Th- I will have some thoughts late in the show today about um, all the teams around the CAA because I, I went down a rabbit hole tonight prepping for this one, Rob, and um, have some things to say. But besides that, uh, just as far as our show, thank you, everyone that listened last week. Welcome back to the 2019-2020 season. It was great to see some more listeners last week, and we look forward to having everyone back on board as we get closer to the season. Uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it does help a lot if you will – drop a little review or rating um, in there. I think the more love, the better, regardless of the rating. Uh, Rob, a couple things today before we get to any sponsor stings. Um, did you see Mickey is coaching in the XFL? I did. Yeah. That, that came out of nowhere. Nowhere. I know. What, he's a linebacker's coach? Yes. Yes. It says quality control and linebacker's coach. So, he, um, I mean, I guess, I guess when you got it in your blood, yeah. sometimes like coaches just got to coach. Yep. And, and I mean, that's, that's a good opportunity. You know, it's fun. He's never, has he ever coached at the professional level? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool. And I also think, you know, guys seeing what happened with the AAF this year, you know, these coaches, they don't know if it's, you know, it could be a two year, one year, two years thing. Right. I mean, yeah. it does, it does, it's probably not a lifetime commitment. Um, Mickey's going to be joining the staff of Bob Stoops. So I, I think there were actually, I read something. I, there's a couple of, you know, I mean, there are quite a few coaches on that. How mummy is the, uh, OC on that team. Well, um, 
Aren't you going to make me friends? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Remember that whole, we had like 24 hours of craziness a few years ago. Yeah. When we thought, it looked like Mummy was going to be the OC. And I, I believe it got so far as like them sending a plane or, or I mean, yeah. it got really far down the line where people were especially waiting. Yeah, for I actually think when Jen Mew hired Withers, we all kind of, how Mummy was one of the head coaching candidates, we all kind of, you know, went through a 24 hour convulsion about. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I think he was going to be the OC. The, the year prior to that, I think Mickey. Yeah, was that's what it was. Yep. Yep. And then, yeah, I think, I mean, that's what I think for Mickey. There's probably guys that he overlaps with and it's probably a fun opportunity. So they'll be coaching the Dallas XFL team next year. It's back in Texas for him too. It is back in Texas. Um, certainly, you know, look, I, I don't know who knows long-term he's not, but he's not that old, you know, <laughs> it's a fun opportunity. I'm sure. It's, it's exactly. It's just fun. Yeah. He gets a coach, gets to be around different players. Right. Doesn't need to deal with, recruiting and everything but it's certainly not gonna be the pressure of the nfl or, no. or breaking the nfl's as he's playing with house money that's what i point. saying you he and i, I mean, we're not in our 60s yet but i mean mickey's done some you know he's done a little bit you know sort of one-off uh announcing here and there over yeah. the years but a chance to go back and make 100 grand for a year or two i i don't know it's not the worst thing in the world no places all you love friends. Places, right yeah. exactly so no, I think that's great. I, I was excited when I read that today. Yeah, that, it also, I don't know, I was thinking maybe it, a, a happy Mickey is probably somebody that maybe a couple of years from now is, is I would think like anybody else, right? If he's happier and doing what he loves, you know, probably makes it a little easier to forgive things or let bygones be bygones. Jamie to build that bridge. Yeah, kind of build that bridge down the road, right? Because I, you know, I, nothing would make me happier than see Mickey be successful add another stop here and, and feel a little better about coming back when the 2024 season rolls around and we're all talking about 20 year reunions and stuff. So yeah, 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 that would be special. I'd love to see him on the field, get the ovation he deserves. Yeah. So, um, and then the one other thing I think Rob, I, I, we're, you and I have, have said over the years, we're not going to go deep into this. We're not going to rehash this. Um, you know, we try to stay off the sort of student athlete issues but I think we have to say um, it did come out this week that Riley Stapleton will be suspended for the first three games of the year. Um, I, I don't think that's any surprise to people that have been following the program closely for the last six months. It, it, I know it was a little bit of a surprise to some of the more casual fans. Um, Stapleton had some off the field trouble before he arrived at JMU. Uh, you know, it's never been clear to us whether he, you know, whether that, whether that the extent of that off the field trouble was known to people at JMU or not. So, you know, who knows, but uh, I, I guess, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. All these situations are a little bit icky. Um, you and I went through this. We've talked about this before. I, I don't, I have no idea what the right outcome for this kind of thing is. Uh, I think it's good that JMU is taking action. Uh, I'm sure there are people some quarters of the JMU community who will feel like that action is not strong enough and other quarters of the community who will feel like the action is overblown. I think well, you, you, right? you kind of can't win in this situation yeah, you can't for that win. very reason. Um, and then given the fact, the natures of the crime and respect for the, the victim, like mm -hmm. you really can't get into the details. So no. my attitude all along has been like, I'll trust the coach. I like Stapleton as a player. I don't mm -hmm. know him as an individual. I'd like to think that all these guys are outstanding, but uh, people make mistakes. Uh, my attitude's kind of been like, I'm not going to cast judgment on a guy because I don't know the facts. No. But I'm going to trust the coaches. If they think this was worthy of a three-game suspension, I just got to go with that. If they thought it was worthy of 
kicking him off the team. I would have just gone with that. Um, yep. I would have been a little bit uncomfortable if there was no punishment at all, even going back on what I said a right. little bit, like not knowing things like, I, I don't know. It's a tough situation. Like I, I don't want to sit on the fence here, but I'm not going to blast somebody for something we know in the facts. And I'm not going to come down on the coaches saying that was too soft or too hard. Like, no. I don't know. It's just, it's an unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope that everybody involved learns from it. And okay. you hope that this is not something that Signetti needs to deal with going on. Like, uh, I, I hope that it's kind of nipped in the bud. Off the field issues are not an issue yep. um, with Signetti. We've been pretty fortunate in that regard mm-hmm. uh, the past couple of years. So, I don't know. Tough situation. And, and, and I think They'll we... be missed, but there are clearly bigger things at play here than football. Oh, yeah. And I don't even want to go down that road. I mean, right, I, there are... <laughs> you, you can't win t- going down that road either because mm-hmm. there are going to be some quarters of the fan base who say, man, we're going to miss him against West Virginia. And other quarters of the fan base who say, isn't it convenient that he only misses the out-of-conference schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, there's just no – there's no winning here. Um, one thing that's – and I don't wish this on Signetti at all, right? I mean, of any, it's a weird situation for JMU in the small world category in that we know that Coach Signetti um, is very familiar, had a pre-existing relationship with the Stapleton family um, going back to their days in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so that's got to be a you know particularly hard issue for him. I mean, there's he really has to feel like he can't win. Um, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I don't know the right answer. I think we both feel like nature of the crime. We're glad they took some action. At the same time, we're talking about teenage kids, and I don't think we should. I don't know. Right? It's just a really hard, hard call. But it's now behind them. Um, Stapleton missed the first three games and be back after that. And we're not we're going to try not to look at it from a like football, you know, what does this mean standpoint? But let's be honest, some other guys will get their chance the first three weeks and hopefully Riley can get back on the field and, and, you know, prove everybody correct that gave him these uh, this second chance. So from from a pure football standpoint and casting aside all the issues, this could end up being a blessing. Could be. Right. You know, because. Particularly, you know, somebody's going to win this job coming out of camp, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to want to play, make big plays and everything. You lose that option just to force the ball to your best receiver. Sure. Um, you kind of need to develop chemistry across a number of receivers. It gives mm-hmm. an opportunity for guys like, you know, Sims to step up. So mm-hmm. particularly, you know, and having the opportunity to do it against West Virginia team, mm-hmm. that's, you know, pretty decent level of competition. And then two mm-hmm. – warm-up games so I mean this could be a confidence building thing and a chance for other guys to develop some some chemistry with whoever wins that quarterback job so mm-hmm. um I don't know from a football perspective I, I think the Dukes will definitely survive this yes I think so too and um last thing as we move away from that uh before we get to the previews tonight is tomorrow is CAA media day in Baltimore at Raven Stadium and JMU's portion of the media day will be at 11.40 a.m. Coach Signetti will be speaking. And then, what did I see, Rashad Robinson and Mac Patrick will be the two player representatives for the Dukes. Uh, certainly two guys who have earned it with their play over the last couple of years. And it'll be exciting to see them. The uh, media day is free on Flow Sports. That's F-L-O, no W. Um, and hopefully we will all be able to tune in and watch it tomorrow. So a pretty big, pretty exciting day always for us. Lots of content for those of us who are getting really excited for the season. It's only 38 days till the season tomorrow. So be rehashing all the votes and the preseason players 
And just generally, it'd be, I think it was exciting for us, Rob, to see what Coach Denny has to say. And um, I'll be talking about Elon tonight. It'll also be exciting for, for us to uh, certainly be interesting this year to see what Elon has to say about everything this year. So, you know, um, that's pretty good. So tonight we are, our previews tonight, we're going to, Rob's going to talk, uh, lead us in UT Chattanooga talk, and I'll be talking to Elon. Uh, as we said, we're going to leave West Virginia for the end. We did St. Francis and Morgan State last week. Our previews are brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the shop anytime there on 33 and mention the podcast and you'll get a free Mossy Creek sticker. Really excited to be working with Brian and Colby and the guys this year. It's going to be a lot of fun um, working with them and we're going to hear lots of good stuff from them. And Rob, last thing I promise before we start, um, I got some awesome cornhole boards this week from a JMU guy. Oh, wow. So I, I um, like custom made or custom. Yeah. So I, I got um, Jared Sherman, you know, who's interacted with us quite a bit mm-hmm. over the years um, is doing a little side business now um, making cornhole boards, manufacturing them himself, if you will, uh, putting them all together. And, you know, he doesn't do the painting. He leaves it for you, but they're, it's a much better deal. So they're prepped entirely for painting, sanded down, ready to go. They're fantastic. Um, I stopped in Winchester over the weekend and picked them up. Uh, it's a really fair, uh, I think you'll find the product is uh, way better than what you'll buy, find in a lot of sort of commercial buys for a way better price and give us the chance, you know, he's not trying to mess with all the licensing and everything to get them JMU custom made, but giving us the chance to kind of buy the decal and do the lacquer and stuff ourselves. Um, but it was really cool. And he was really great about putting them together for me. And I just can't encourage people enough. I'm going to have a little more information about it next week. I'll kind of give you guys, you can reach out to Jared on Facebook if you're friends with him or become friends with him. He'll definitely, that's how he and I interacted and, and got in touch. But he's going to give me a little more information about how you can get in touch with them. Um, they're going to be really cool. I've never actually had my own. Rob, I know you have your own. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, but I, I left them out back with the kids. And oh. So they're a little bit warped and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I might need to get some new ones. No, it's a really uh, fair price and really cool product. And I can't wait to talk a little bit more about it next week. So it, you guys can also feel free to hit us up. You can email us, uh, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and ask me for more information. And I'll pass you some stuff this week. And if you don't get in touch with me directly this week, I'll have a little more specific information for you next week. Uh, but big thanks to Jared. It was awesome. He got him prepped really quick for me because I had a chance to be, I was out there in Winchester this weekend and had a chance to pick him up. So it was really cool. Uh, I think he's done about a dozen of them already. So they're great. He's got a little wood shop in his garage. It's pretty cool. So regular Ron Swanson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Rob, you are going to take us tonight with uh, Chattanooga, huh? Yeah. I was excited when I was Virginia really announced excited. this. Yeah. Like, for, for people that don't know, this is the first of the home and home. Uh-huh. This one's on the road. Yep. It's September 21st. Awesome. So it's after. It's after what the West Virginia game, and then the the two the two warm up games. Warm-up yeah, this games. is the first real game of the season. First yeah. real game. Yeah, I, I think this is really cool. Like yeah, in, I, in an ideal world, Jamie would do more of this. Like I understand that it, we'd all love to play, you know, in Eastern Washington or North Dakota State or something. No, but Out playing a SoCon or a, SoCon is great. This or even is who like, we should be playing. Yeah, SoCon. I, I think we should do, choose SoCon or like Ohio Valley Patriot or, League. Yeah, I think 
if they ever could, the Ivy League would be tremendous. I've sure. talked about that before. But that's not going to happen. But SoCon is great. Like, it's a good regional league. It's mm-hmm. it's a pretty, historically pretty good football league. Mm-hmm. Um, they've fallen off a little bit with little the bit. loss of, of Appy. And I feel Georgia like Southern. they're a little bit back the last – like last year. I, I don't know. It's well, they were, still I think a they were like league, the, right? They were like the fifth best league last year. Yeah. But they've got strong teams. And, know, Sam, and they have Walford, teams that take it seriously. Yeah. They do care. You know, other than VMI, the rest of them pretty much care, which is cool. And Chattanooga so. being one of those. Like, yes. it's got a pretty strong history. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they're coming off a little bit of a, of a down period the uh-huh. past two years after Huseman left to go to Richmond. They've kind of just plateaued a little bit. Last mm-hmm. year, they were six and five overall, mm-hmm. five and five in the SOCON, which was okay. tied, tied for fifth. So it was not a particularly strong year, but they did play um, a couple teams really close. I think they beat. Samford, mm-hmm. is that right? Samford won the league. Um, they're bringing a lot back mm-hmm. on defense. Defensively, they were like a top twenty unit. They weren't a North Dakota State or JMU quality defense, mm-hmm. but they were a good, solid defense. I think fourteenth mm-hmm. or fifteenth overall in the FCS. Offensively, they struggled big time. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I, I would think that there's reason to believe that the offense could take a step forward this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, there's nowhere to go but up. Last year, they were dead last in the SoCon. Mm-hmm. And points scored, and that's tough. The the SoCon is not a league that plays a ton of defense. Right. I mean, it's especially like, with some of those teams. Like, what is it, Samford? And yeah, they're, they're just going to yeah. outscore you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of like Big Twelve ish. Right. Um, I think there were three or four teams that gave up over forty points a game. So yeah, it's always odd too because they got the three at least option option pass. teams, and then yeah, exactly. It's an odd so, league. Yeah. So it's like tough to repair some weeks, but you would mm-hmm. think year in year out. Yep. If you're if you're coaching Chattanooga, you better learn how to defend the option. Yes. You know, you're going to have Sam, Sam Sam Wofford every year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they really struggled. They only scored like around 20 points a game, which was pretty much nothing in that conference. Mm-hmm. But they've got a quarterback comeback, Nick Tiano. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching highlights and everything. Dang. Highlights can't tell you everything. I'm not going to claim I'm some sort of tape nerd. But, <laughs> but the guy looks pretty good to me. I mean, right. he, he's a big dude. He's like mm-hmm. 6'4", like, probably like 220 pounds. Looks like a quarterback standing back there, like the stereotypical kind of big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, worked mostly out of the shotgun last year. He's a former Mississippi State recruit, oh, play, okay. played there for a year. So, I mean, the guy's got talent. He was mm-hmm. sitting behind uh, Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. So, it's easy to see why he transferred. But, like, if, if he's given time, he can make all the throws. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have like a rocket arm, but in the FCS level, he looks more than adequate, the type of guy that could beat you. Mm-hmm. He's got a really talented receiver, this guy, Bryce Nunley. He's a mm-hmm. junior. I don't know if you saw him play. Just heard the name so a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he averaged over 100 yards a game receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also con first-team wide receiver. He's also con preseason this year. Really talented guy. I- I'm not particularly worried about receivers lighting up this Duke's defensive backfield, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a great opportunity to, to play against a premier receiver before CAA play. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see that matchup. Defensively, like I said, they were pretty good last year, um, but they lose their best player. Mm-hmm. They, they lose this guy who was uh, – what's his name? Mm-hmm. Isaiah Mack. Mm-hmm. He was the defensive – SoCon defensive player of the year last year. Really good defensive line. Yeah, million tackles, million tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now with the Tennessee Titans. Was not mm-hmm. drafted, but he's an undrafted free agent. Okay. I don't know what his prospects are making the team, but the point mm-hmm. – the, the guy's like – legitimate legitimate talent so they lose him but they bring back i think seven or eight guys that started games last year they've got three or four linebackers 
mm-hmm. that are that are coming from bigger programs transferring down from FBS. Okay. So it's a unit that should give the Dukes a really good test heading into CAA play. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good game. I do think JMU will be favored. You know, Chattanooga is kind of one of these fringe top 20 teams. Mm-hmm. They have an absolutely brutal schedule. Do they? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they got Jacksonville State and JMU. Oh, um, out, of, back, yeah. out of conference. Out of, yeah, that's, um, yeah. I think they've got an FBS game. It, it's one of the toughest schedules in the league. So. But they come out maybe like even two and two out of their first four games, and they're really being the mix and playing with a lot of confidence. Last year they came out of the gate 4-0. Yeah, I was going to um, say, they were kind of in be, the talk for a while, in the conversation for quite a while last year. Yeah, they were. They were a top yeah. 20 team, and then they just kind of hit a rough Yeah, match. I remember uh, Brian McLaughlin and Hero Sports guys kind of talking about Chattanooga for a while. And they're still high on them. They, they yeah, still yeah. have oh, yeah. one of these, like, you know, top 20 talent, and they catch a few breaks, get momentum. They could end up being, you know, a, a challenger, certainly in the mix for the playoffs. So, cool. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. It's so much better than some of the other games James has had. <laughs> and I just I hope it's a sign of things to come where we can continue either this one or find another SoCon team, um, a Wofford or another team like that. So should be a good matchup. Yeah, I love this, Rob. I'm with you. When this got announced, I was really excited. I know that I'm a little bit biased because, like a lot of older JMU fans, um, my, my trip to Chattanooga Stadium is one of my top five sports experiences of all time. Yeah. You know, when JMU beat Montana in 04. Um, but it's also just an area of the country. I mean, like you said, I, I lived in North Carolina last year and kind of in north central North Carolina. And, you know, Tennessee is one of these areas in Chattanooga where you're really close to Atlanta. It's just a place that cares about college football. And I feel like if Chattanooga can kind of continue this upward trend, people will care even if they're also Volunteers fans or also Georgia fans. Like, it's a sleeping giant in terms of an FCS market, I feel like. you know. Yeah, and they've got a new coach this year. Yeah. Rusty Wright, okay. who played, I think he was a four-year oh. letterman there, mm-hmm. then coached under Huseman. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy, I, I got to imagine it really means a lot to him. Like, it's bringing him back and talk about that passion and everything. So right. They, they could be on the verge of kind of turning it around. They made the playoffs a couple of times under Houston. They've been a very good team. Yes. Um, Terrell Owens. Played Terrell Owens, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. They've got a decent history. Mm-hmm. And with this new coach, uh, Rusty Wright, coached a number of places. Most recently, I think, was a linebackers coach at fake GSU. Okay, yep. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he did well with that unit. They yep. had a number of really statistical, some of their mm-hmm. best statistical years under him. Good. And I think coming back to this head coaching job, to his alma mater, to mm-hmm. a place where he's coached, um, they've got a lot going in the right direction. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm going to blow my road game budget this year on uh, <laughs> on <laughs> West Virginia for the most part. Yeah. Um, but for JMU fans, Chattanooga, a very underrated city. And the time of year that JMU goes there, what is it, late September? Late September. About, about I even as good as you weather. can get. Yeah, it'll, yeah, it's like high 80s typically. Yeah, so yeah. It'll be hot, but it'll be that hot where you're still enjoying it in September, not – but not great, freaking like, out about mountain it. biking, hiking, like all kinds of stuff down there. And the largest Coca-Cola bottler in the world. Oh, and, and apparently that too. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but really fun. I, I don't know. I just had such a good time at their stadium and in Chattanooga uh, when JMU won the championship. So I, I'm glad to see the moccasins back on our radar. And, and like you said, Rob, I just love JMU playing a home and home with the SoCon team. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we should be playing Western Carolina. We should be playing Wofford. Yep. We should be playing Citadel, whoever. You know, these are the teams we should be scheduling with. I, I'm excited. I will be. Ex- I will say this. I will be excited for this at Bridgeforth next year. 
right? Yeah. In oh, a way yeah. that I, I, I like this year, I, I just, I'm not excited for St. Francis or Morgan State. But when Chattanooga comes to Bridgeforth next year, I'll be, I'll be there. I want to be at that game. You know. Well, I feel like I feel like we're going to learn something about the team. That's what this yeah, game. That's what it is. It's like okay, we're playing a good team. I would yeah. be pissed if we lose, but yeah, I also feel like you know, yeah, we will learn something about the team before we, um, before we get to Elon. So yeah, and like yeah. I said, you're facing a good quarterback, some good receivers, mm-hmm. number of good linebackers. This is it's not going to be a cakewalk, and it's mm-hmm. I, I think Jamie should win. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll be favored. Mm-hmm. But it's a good tune-up before Eli the next week. Yeah, and um, might even be a better game. I think it may be. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. see um, as we move into that. Um, so that's what I, I'm going to talk about the Elon game, which will be JMU's conference opener this year. I, I think it's a little. Uh, I don't know what to say. It does make me nervous that both teams will be. Well, Elon will have played Richmond at, at that point, so it won't be their conference opener. But you know, to catch JMU early in the season. Uh, it, it, will, it makes it a l- even a little more dicey, I think, for JMU mm-hmm. uh, going down to Elon. It, it is so as anybody that doesn't know, I'm sure everybody does. Coach Signetti left Elon to come to JMU this year. Uh, Elon is going to drop off this year. They were, you know, really high up after they finally broke JMU's winning streak last year in the CAA and at home. They were very high up. They had some injuries that derailed them before the playoffs. Uh, very unfortunate, but still brutal. Of, they lost their quarterback and top running back. Yeah, and still one of the one of the sort of roughest, um, you know, or yeah, I mean, it's just really rough for them last year, and yet still one of their banner seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of years have been really the high water mark for Elon football, m- maybe ever, but certainly since they came to the CAA. And Coach Signetti left a little. I think if you ask Elon fans, a little late in the process for their liking. Um, they promoted from within. They promoted their defensive coordinator, Tony Trishiani. So I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, to head coach. So I don't think anybody down there was, you know, I, just like JMU. There were people down there throwing around all kinds of names, most of them sort of formerly disgraced or not so successful NC State and Carolina guys uh, from the past. But at the same time, I don't think anybody had anything bad to say about Coach Trissiani. The players, I know, were very excited that the defensive coordinator was promoted. I think it probably settled their recruiting class, um, helped them sort of cross that bridge this year, probably also helped without, you know, they didn't lose a lot of guys to transfer. Uh, big thing, they do get Davis Cheek, that quarterback, back this year uh, for another year. So they're not going to be – Without weapons, we know Cheek is not the best arm in the world, but a really experienced hand in the CAA. He's, he's steady. He's very like, steady, and he's, he's game manager with all the positive connotations. Yeah, and and a kind manager. of an underrated runner, like a very good, yeah. you know, just manages the offense. Really Makes well. good decisions. Yeah, not. I mean, certainly, one of the biggest reasons they beat JMU last year was he didn't screw the game up. Yep. You know, and he's managed the game very well against JMU. He's played them a lot. Um, so Elon, we'll get to their schedule in a second, but one interesting thing today, this is the first year that Elon will be paying cost of attendance stipends, and they're the last team in the CAA to enter in, to wade into the CA, COA waters. They will only be paying them for men's and women's basketball uh, for the next three years before they move on to other sports, football among them. Um, they're the last team in the conference to commit to cost of attendance. 
And it's interesting, JMU is right now the only team in the conference offering the cost of attendance for all sports. So it's weird, I think back to when you and I, what we were writing when Jonathan Alger penned that letter in 2015 on behalf of a number of schools in the country opposing the cost of attendance stipends. And, and we were so upset to JMU, you know, changing with the times and being the first team in the conference to go all sports. And in case anybody's wondering why we're so good at lacrosse and softball, uh, that, that's one reason for sure. That helps. That yeah. helps a little bit, right? Um, and Elon is kind of behind the times in that way and, and admittedly trying to step up. It was weird. I was trying to figure out from reading the old articles whether Signetti left or they announced cost of attendance, like what happened first this summer, because <laughs> it all happened this summer. But it's very clear that, uh, you know, I'm sure that Coach Signetti, much like some JMU coaches of past ilk felt like the school he was at was not supporting him in the way that allowed him to compete with the other schools he competed with. And, you know, he saw in JMU a program that is really supportive. So for all the sort of gnashing of teeth we've done, kudos to JMU and kind of interesting with Elon. Uh, Elon also, interestingly enough, one of the few teams in the CAA for whom money is really not that big of a problem despite their resistance to cost of attendance. So it's kind of interesting. Eight of 11 games, Rob, are on Flow Sports for Elon. I thought that was interesting. They have more Flow Sports games than JMU. Oh. I, I don't know if that's I, – I don't know what to make of that, right? In some ways, it's like, well, Flow is getting all these Elon games. In another way, it's like, well, I'm kind of glad JMU is not on Flow Sports for all our games. Yeah. So I don't know. What I wonder that, what's behind that. I do, too. I think JMU is only on there, didn't we say, five or six times? So around there. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was interesting that Elon was like significantly more um, on there. Elon's going to be worse. I, I think there's no, so I was looking through Elon's schedule and the roster. They're going to be worse. They're going to struggle more than they did last year. I, I just, I think there's no two ways around that. They are one of 13 teams in the FCS who have a schedule that has five or more ranked FCS teams on it. Um, I saw that post from Hero Sports today. That doesn't mean Elon's schedule is killer, but that's still tough, right? Not the, the 13 teams include the University of North Dakota, who's an independent, but plays all the Dakotas, which bumps up their schedule. And then it's all teams from the Big Sky, Mount, uh, Missouri Valley, and CAA. Yeah. The other teams from the CAA this year are Villanova and William & Mary. William & Mary is brutal schedule this year. Um, but Elon, that's not good for them. They have a tough start to the season and yet weirdly they could get to the JMU game at the end of September with some pretty high marks. Um, they open on the road at North Carolina A&T, which is a tricky game for them. Anybody that doesn't know, that's a, that's like a, it's a real pretty close. Lo- yeah. It's yeah. A, like a 15 mile away local rival. Um, there's very much a private school versus big HBCU public school thing there. Um, it's a cool game for them to schedule. I will say that will be a, it will be a hot ticket Labor Day weekend in Greensboro, Burlington area. Um, that's kind of cool that they're playing that game. But North Carolina A&T has been very good the last few years. They, they may be a little down this year, but that's a tricky first game playing in Greensboro at A&T. Um, with a new coach. With a new coach on Labor Day weekend. And, you know, anybody that doesn't know, a- A&T, I mean, they, they fill that stadium for big mm-hmm. games like this. And, It'll be a big deal down there. So then they play at home against the Citadel, uh, which is another tough out-of-conference game. Then they go to Richmond, 
uh, a game I think they'll probably be favored in, but who knows. And then they go to Wake Forest, uh, where they'll probably, you know, it's weird. I mean, they could be 0-4 or 4-0 and when they get to the JMU game. I think it's most likely. I, I would think they win all three of those first game, three games, the A&T game, Citadel and Richmond, and they lose at Wake. And they get to JMU at 3-1 and with only the FBS loss. Probably pretty similar to where JMU may be. Um, Elon, but this is, Rob, this is where I wanted to go a little bit off of Elon. So my guess is JMU is significantly better than Elon. I think even going to Elon with Coach Cignetti, I, I don't have any doubt that will be the biggest game on the players' schedules for the Phoenix this year. You know, if you're them, you circle – every player on that team is circling the JMU game, and it'll be weirdly a bigger game for them than the Wake Forest game the week before. I don't think there's – I think it's hard to imagine that that wouldn't be. I know if it was you and I, we'd feel the same way. Yeah, I don't think right? there's any way you can look at it other than that. Right. right. Wake Forest, yeah, again, it's kind of another local, regional yeah. rivalry, but, but it's Wake Forest football. Right. It's No offense yeah. to those guys, but no. that's not one that – as they have strung together some good years in the past, mm-hmm. but very few people you know, dream of going yep. and playing against Wake Forest. It's not Alabama. It's not LSU or Iowa State. It's no. a good challenge, but playing against your former coach is probably a much bigger deal to these players. I think so, yeah, and – the thing I wanted to – this is, Rob, in place of overtime tonight, um, we're going to talk about scheduling in the CAA a little bit. Because this thing with Elon, I looked at their schedule, and I was like, they only have 11 games this year. So this is a year where you can play 12 games and still have a bye, mm-hmm. where the NCAA allows you to play 12 games because of the way the schedule breaks. Labor Day is early enough, and Thanksgiving is late enough um, that you, all teams, FBS, FCS, are allowed to play 12 games. It, fr- it really frustrated me when I started looking at this, that Elon only plays 11 games. And it start, I, I was like, well, are they the only ones? And as I look, I, so then it sent me down this, looking at all the CAA teams. There are two teams in the conference that only play 11 games, Elon and New Hampshire. Uh, Elon's schedule, I don't think, you know, look, they only play 11 games. And the reason this kind of irks me, Rob, is we get to the end of the season, we get to the playoff projections every year, and we're trying to pick the bracket for FCS and, you're not going to have the seven wins. No, and I hate it. Yeah. And I hate the 11, and I hate when a team has less games. Yeah. And, and, and typically those teams are out west where it's much more difficult to travel to find teams with any kind of reasonable travel. And it's just so frustrating to see, again, the CAA. And I'm not trying to bash the CAA here. But to, to, to have two teams that, that don't fill the schedule, they're not even putting the money out to sort of do the thing that you're supposed to do. And, you know, to Elon's credit, their schedule's difficult. As I said, they play at A&T. They, they host Citadel. They play at Wake. Um, they have JMU, Delaware, William & Mary, Maine at home. They go to New Hampshire, to Towson. Like, they don't have an easy schedule. I, I'm not saying that that 11 games are easy. But it's frustrating to not have them schedule another out-of-conference game to give us another data point. Whether we're arguing to get a fifth CAA team in or that JMU should be ahead of Elon at the end and Elon's sitting there at seven and four and JMU's at, you know, seven and five or eight and four, you know, and, and you're just frustrated by not being able to measure them equally. I'm not saying that's where JMU's going to be. I'm just saying if you're another CAA team, it's a frustration. And then the other, t- and it frustrated me more because the other team is New Hampshire, who only plays 11 games and their out of conference game is at FIU. Like, New Hampshire has the cakiest schedule 
it, it's typical New Hampshire. It's just the cakiest schedule ever this year. Um, and I look around the conference, Villanova, they play 12 games, including a Division II game. So I guess they sort of play 11 games too. Why the hell is, are they playing a Division Why II would, team? Yeah, uh, I, that, I never that. understand that with Villanova. They don't have their annual like Penn or Temple or, you know, sort of they usually play a bigger game. They don't have that this year. They play Col- the Big Five esque. No, they do play Colgate, Lehigh, and Bucknell out of the Patriot. So kind of a weird. I don't know what they're signaling there, but kind of a weird schedule. Delaware plays twelve. They do not play an FBS game, but they do play NDSU. So to me, that's an FBS game. Not they should have scheduled eleven. Yeah, they should have scheduled eleven. Right. <laughs> Maine plays twelve. A really difficult. Two, they do two FBS. Two FBS. They? they go yeah. to the real Georgia Southern. Real GSU, Georgia Southern, and they go to Liberty. They also play Colgate. That's a tough schedule out of the conference. Uh, Stony Brook plays 12. Theirs is really chintzy. Look out for Stony Brook this year. Um, They do play at Utah State, which is an odd game, an odd FBS game, and Utah State is not – they're usually a pretty tough FBS team. But Stony Brook also plays Bryant and Wagner out of the NEC. So that's very Morgan State. And whoever did yeah. St. Francis. Um, Towson plays 12 games, they, including going to Florida. Um, they also go to the Citadel. They also host North Carolina Central, which is a little bit trickier than it sounds. Uh, Rhode Island plays 12 games. They go the, two FBS games. They go to Ohio and to Virginia Tech. They also go to Brown. Um, Wait, did they get the ECU game? No, that's William and Mary. Mary's schedule is 12 games, including at ECU and at no, UVA. No, 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 but I mean, like, did Rhode Island pick up the Virginia Tech game when Virginia Tech flaked oh, on they, ECU? they may have, yeah, because it's late in the season. Yeah, so yeah. Rhode Island – I mean, Rhode will, Island just needs the money. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? You're yeah. not going to the playoffs for Rhode Island this year. They no, lost, and I know uh, Brown is – Juwan ain't coming back, you know, the quarterback. Right. So they got to rebuild, but they've got some facilities improvements. Like, yeah. that, that no, good makes for them. sense for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, William and Mary, brutal. They play at East Carolina and at UVA. Um, not a year that I think William and Mary expecting to compete, but that does make it difficult. Uh, Richmond plays 12. Richmond, not easy. Out of, they go to Boston College uh, and they play Yale, Rob. Um, so for your Ivy, well, that's, you mean... know, URI Brown, I think it makes some sense just regionally. But Richmond um, hosting Yale, and I assume they'll return the favor at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they're both North. I just, I just don't think the Ivies would ever come schedule a lowly public school. Right. Well, that's what I was say. I mean, Richmond yeah. is also a Northeastern school, so yeah, that's okay. And then Albany has an easy schedule, and they're only they play twelve, and their only FBS game is Central Michigan. But I don't think we think Albany will be at the top this year. Um, but I was really frustrated no. to see that New Hampshire just playing eleven games with their FBS game being FIU. And kind of Stony Brook playing Bryant and Wagner, sticking close to home and playing winnable games for them. Um, we'll get more into this later. But Elon and New Hampshire play 12 games. I, I just, what are you doing? Yeah, I wonder what's behind that. I, I don't like, know. I, I really Because they're both, like, they're on the East Coast. It's not that difficult to find another, even though it's another NEC team right. or something like that well and know. to new hampshire's credit I, I think their buys are both a little earlier in the season um, they always have a weird schedule like, they, they do sometimes they'll open up with a conference game yeah they played maine. maine in the opener before and stuff like that yeah um they used to do that umass 
rivalry game or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. At, at uh, Gillette. Gillette. Yeah. So I don't know. I, Elon, the buys are spaced out very well for them. They would have a buy or they do have a buy the second to last week of the season. So if they are still in the mix, um, that would be very nice to get a buy before they go to Towson at the end of the year for a big game. Um, but we'll see. I, I think the JMU game is really the uh, turning point of their season. They, Elon's tough. They, they were yeah. really physical last year. I was, I was quite impressed with them. They, yep. they didn't do anything that flashy, but they really stuck to their game plan, just kind of hung around, hung around, and yep. then JMU made the mistake late. Yep. And, and there you go. I mean, JMU still should have won that. It, it annoys me. <laughs> yes. Some bad breaks, but um, that was not a fluke. Nope. Elon was a good team last year. Yeah. Of course, as JMU fans, we're going to give all the credit to Signetti and, and kind of spin it back. <laughs> but but yeah. that really was a good team that played within itself and then rose to the occasion number number of big games. I, I thought if they didn't have those injuries, they would have been the clear top team in the CAA. That's what I thought. I thought and I, I thought they had the talent and kind of just the, the system and the approach and everything to make a deep run in the playoffs. Like Basically, you could have flipped them with Maine. Yeah. Um, had they said healthy. That's exactly right. And, um, and hopefully Signetti will bring that same kind of approach to JMU, which is a very playoff-ready approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for JMU fans, that uh, September 28th at Elon, I can't encourage it enough. Elon plays all of their home games at 2 p.m. <laughs> they just they decide. play on grass. Too. They do play. It's a beautiful little stadium um, on grass. You know, it's just a really great sort of college football day. Uh, and I imagine September 28th, it, the weather down there should be, it could be really hot. I mean, it could still be 90 degrees down there, um, but should be a really, I, I just, that's a really fun trip. I think a lot of the JMU fans, I've been to the last two or three down there and been incredible turnouts from JMU, uh, much to the frustration of Elon, but at the same time, they've been good hosts and, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's really fun to watch them play on grass. I think the players really enjoy it. Uh, it's such a rare thing these days, especially when they get to play on grass in a good climate. <laughs> you know, yeah. there were a couple of years where we'd go up to Rhode Island, uh, who I think will be having turf now, but the grass was brutal. Uh, but this year, you know, if JMU fans, if you get the chance, can't recommend it enough. It's a fun little road trip. It's not that far. And uh, weather's good. Food's good. Beer's good. It's um, supposed to be a gorgeous campus. Too, it is a it? gorgeous campus, yeah. And they have a brand-new basketball facility uh, right across the street from the football stadium. Um, we'll kind of put you in mind of uh, JMU's new basketball facility, which will be coming online next year. So, uh, yeah. So, I, 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 for me, Rob, it would really surprise me if Elon won more than seven games. Um, it would surprise me equally if they lost, you know, if they won less than five, right? So, I think they're a middle of the pack. Yeah, I think they are too. Year. I could see them easily being seven and four. And I think that's where it kind of frustrated me with the 11 game schedule is I was like seven and four is going to be very weird uh, for the playoff committee to look at when most teams in the country are going to have played 12 games. You know, seven and four will be eligible or would be eligible, but is, is, I, I don't know. It's just, it might not be convincing. Yeah, though. it's just not going to be apples to apples with a lot of the other teams, right? I think they're going to really struggle with Wake. I think they're going to really struggle with JMU. And, you know, after that, I think the, the rest of the schedule is doable. But, you know, they, they play Maine and Towson and New Hampshire and Delaware. They, do, and they, they really do play most of the heavy hitters in the CAA this year, uh, the way their schedule works out. So, 
it'll be interesting to see, but be looking forward to that one uh, for JMU's from JMU's standpoint as well, because that'll be the first that will be JMU's first conference game after the Chattanooga game. So that'll be big for JMU to get started. Rob, I think that's about all we got tonight. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. We'll be diving into the heart of JMU's schedule. Uh, we'll be coming up with some good off-topic stuff, and we'll be talking. You know, really getting ready for the season, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, when's camp kickoff? I don't know, but it's time to go get some pale fire. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, right. So go by the tap room in Harrisonburg. Mention the, the podcast, and you get a free pint glass. And it is just, yeah, it's time to go stock up on your growlers. They will keep at this point pretty much till uh, till the kickoff. So man, I, I could have gone for some salad days this weekend. Yeah. I couldn't find it right here, but <laughs> it was so hot. And that beer is good year round. But yeah, um, man, that is a delicious beer when it's like super super, super hot. hot weather. Yeah. So. Rob, I, I think that's it for tonight, and I will be looking forward to talking to you next week after we have all this CA Media Day content to digest. Yeah, hopefully. I'm, I'm curious to see how it shakes out and see yep. how many JMU guys make it. On the defense, I'm expecting a good number of folks. Offensively, I'm thinking maybe a couple of linemen, and then who knows? It's interesting. Like I think I was in Stapleton and Percy and all these guys are super talented, but the depth that JMU has at the skill positions, yeah, I think – could mean that a lot of guys get left off of well, the preseason teams. And the fact, Wait. I don't know how they're going to treat, right? How are they going to deal with Stapleton um, in terms of being suspended? I don't know if that matters because he'll be back for the conference season. And Percy, who just hasn't seen the field a lot, right? We all think he's very talented. But I think it'd be hard to put him in, like, the first-team slot over some of the players on other teams that have already produced. Well, you know, he's going to be the starting running back. Right. <laughs> okay. It could be Hamilton. Like, yeah, it would yeah, not like, surprise me for Jamie to have – a receiver and a running back on one, one of the, of the teams. Yeah. teams at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if I mean, Stapleton will make it some way, shape, or form. I assume the ballots were due last week. And what about blah, the blah, 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 blah. So he was third team he, last he, year, right? He, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm assuming the other guys graduated, right? Or Jawan Lawson, the guy from Rhode Island, is gone. Rhode Island's gone. I mean, I guess um, Flacco is going to be player of the year, probably, right? So. Yeah, I guess I the highest that anybody else could be is second team. Do you just throw in the New Hampshire quarterback because they always put up numbers? <laughs> Probably, right? I mean, I, I'm looking down the list and I don't see any other team that jumps out at me. As, yeah, so it would be or interesting. Or the kid from Elon. Yeah, the kid from Elon. Yeah, that's probably yeah. – he'd probably get second team. Yeah. Because um, it would be interesting if Danucci got on one of the preseason teams and then didn't start. And then Maloney's a starter. Right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah so who knows. But, yeah, I think Fornado um, – Patrick, mm-hmm. and and then all the guys on defense: Rashad Robinson, Rondell Carter, Daka, Daka, Lynn, Holloway, Holloway. Yeah, those guys are all going to be on there, and then yeah. probably Harry, Wayne Davis. Yeah, probably yeah. probably the Harry and the punter and kicker and stuff too. So who knows? Amos, Amos, Amos. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to have a ton of guys on defense. So we'll see yeah. what happens. But Rob, I will talk to you next weekend. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Thanks. Go Dukes.